Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we help you discover innovative startups in the outdoor sport industry. Join us as we tell the story of brands who are paving the way for the future of outdoor sports. And here's your host, Josh Salvo. Hey, Ready Eddy Podcast listeners. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to shine the spotlight on our membership program. With it, you can get up to 40% off our brands, discover dozens of new innovative outdoor startups, receive first access to new products, gain access to ambassador programs for over 50 of our startups, and receive first access to purchase demo and trade show gear at 30 to 60% off. Head to readyyeti.com slash members to sign up. What is going on, Ready Eddie Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. And on today's episode, I am chatting with Taylor Carpenter, the founder of Static Climbing. If you're not familiar with Static Climbing, they hand make chalk bags in California, San Diego to be specific. And something that's really unique about them is they use a lot of natural, local materials to hand make all of their bags. A lot of them are made up of over 13 different pieces of material. They've got some really interesting designs, and I'm really excited to be able to sit down with Taylor and, and talk about Static. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's bright and early for you in California right now, but I uh, it is. appreciate you taking the time to chat. No worries. I'm a morning person anyways, so well, it's it's my prime time. <laughs> that makes one of us. <laughs> 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 I always say I like sewing anywhere from 7 a.m. until about noon. Those are my prime sewing hours, and then it all goes downhill from there. <laughs> yeah, I'm a zombie during those hours. I'm a, I'm a night owl. <laughs> I, I look up to night owls. I can't do it. It's 9 o'clock. My eyes start to close. <laughs> I totally understand that. So, so to start off, for the listener that may not be familiar with static climbing, how would you best describe your business to to someone who, who has never heard of you? Static is all about being handmade and I wanted to be able to employ local seamstresses and local designers and keep as much as possible in the San Diego area and in the United States, whether it's from ordering materials like fabrics or whether it's having um, college interns help me with designs or um, embracing local climber artists or non-climber artists and having them be able to put their art on a chalk bag for people to use and love and giving some of the proceeds back to them. So I, ch- my main goal is to just create handmade goods locally and um, sustainably as much as possible, which the longer I'm in business, the more I find out it can be difficult to find local products, you know, like the, especially little plastic pieces. It's, it's so much cheaper to get them in, you know, overseas. And that makes me so sad. But over the last year, I've noticed Etsy's made a big push to uh, try to offer more local craft supplies. And they've redesigned um, their platform to help smaller companies like Static be able to get crafts and handmade goods that we can use in our handmade goods, which is pretty rad. Um, but I try to, my goal was to treat everyone that works for me and with me as if they were the owner as well, because I've noticed growing up, I've been in the service industry, being a server and a bartender, um, for about eight years. And I've, I, I've been through enough 
bosses to know that um, having a good boss is really important. It can really make the rest of, you know, each person comes to work and they realize they, if they have a good experience or a bad experience, they go home and that experience follows them. So if I can have all of my employees be stoked when they come to work and create amazing handmade goods and they can go home and be happy, that was my goal. And, um, so I definitely try to treat all of my employees with the utmost respect and make sure they're stoked and they have their input. And, um, as an owner, I want to make sure that I never feel above anyone and that I'm in the back cutting materials if they need help or if they, if anyone has a question, you know, that they feel validated and, and all of my employees are so stoked, which makes the company run so well. And it's a pretty special experience because when you have amazing people that work with you, then the product turns out great. And having the product turn out great is all up to us because we don't really have anything produced outside of our office. Um, we cut all the materials from the fleece to the feasible webbing. We steam press it and back it, the fabric. Um, we hand tie all the knots and <laughs> sew every stitch. So, um, it's really important to have an amazing team to work together to create those products and to have constant ideas flowing and creatives all around you. Um, so static is pretty special because I don't really ever want to lose sight of that. I want to stay handmade and I want to stay, um, to where if a customer emails me, I personally email them back every time I try to email them back within a day and I try to make sure the email is personal. I think customer service is so lost in today's day and age, or it can be. And I see a couple companies here and there popping back up with great customer service. So I wanted to make sure that anyone that reached out to me, that I reached back out to them and thank them for taking their time to support my, my company, because that's pretty cool. It sounds like you're super busy, one. <laughs> number, <laughs> number two, like especially the whole idea of you guys actually hand make it, you're growing a business, you do a customer service, you're, you're, you're running pretty much everything. I wanted to ask how, when you first started, did you have any experience um, making things? Uh, oddly enough, I, <laughs> I did not sew before I started Static. Um, I, the, the way that I got into starting static was I was, I had just finished college the year before at Cal State Long Beach and I got a bachelor's in psychology. And originally I really wanted to, um, be a high school counselor and help, help kids if they needed anything. And, um, I realized I was a bit too sensitive for that. I would be crying with them and <laughs> realize that that, that wasn't my path. I, I wanted to take a different path, but be able to help people as well. And so I was at a get together for a friend's birthday and everyone was these, all of my friends are these famous photographers and Olympic gold medalists and, um, you know, professional snowboarders and, uh, d web designers and coders. And it was just, inspiring being around all of them. And I kept having this whole conversation of, Oh, I have my degree. I'm going to do something with it one day, one day. And I was tired of saying one day. So, um, I was actually, uh, sitting down one day with a friend and 
she said, well, what do you love? And I said, I love climbing. I love the community. I love everything about it. Um, it's so special. And she said, what could you do to help the climbing community? And I thought, well, randomly, I really, to this day, don't know how it popped in my head. I was like, well, chalk bags, they're like, they're cool, but I think they could add, there's so much that could be added to them and give a chalk bag a story instead of just having it be just something that you dig your hand in and get some chalk and keep going. I want the person to be proud of what they're wearing on them and like take in, or, uh, embarking on the journey with, you know, as they climb. And she said, okay, well, you know, you can make chalk bags. Why don't you try it? And it happened to be my birthday coming up in later that month. So my grandparents got me my first little sewing machine for my birthday. And, uh, I, YouTubed how to wind a bobbin. I mean, it was, it, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and it took three and a half days to make the first chalk bag. Uh, the fabric was upside down. I didn't sew the inside correctly. I still have it hanging up in my office, actually. Nice. I'm so glad I kept it. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, awesome. So this was in 2013? Yes, in May of 2013. Or April. April, the end of April was when I got the sewing machine and right around now was when I made the first chalk bag. That's really awesome. And so you officially launched Static Climbing in 2014, correct? I made the first chalk bag in in April 2014. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And then when did you start turning it into a more legitimate business, I guess? I started, I actually filed all the paperwork to start Static May 13th, so just about three years ago this week. Um, It took about a month to kind of get everything together, and to be honest, I started, I had the name Static, but I didn't really imagine it would turn into what it is today. That was the dream, but I just wanted to start making something as a hobby and kind of, you know, when you, when you have a craft, it's empowering when someone wants to support your craft and it makes you feel so good. And so you just want to make more and more and then it turns into a full blown company. Um, but I was climbing at my local climbing gym, vital in Carlsbad at the time and the owner or the manager, Ray, I showed him, I was so excited. I showed everybody and he said, you know, you make those a little better. We'll put some, we'll put some next to, next to the other chalk bags. And I was just, that blew my mind that someone wanted to like actually buy my product. I didn't even have a label for the company yet. Like there was no hang tag on the bottom and right. I was using shoe strings and bungee cords <laughs> as the, the drawstring. And, oh, it was the, the first, the first 10 or 20 bags definitely looked like Frankenstein. <laughs> I totally get that. When you started, did you, what, how did you come up with the name Static? What, what was the thought process behind that? It took a few weeks. Um, I, at first, I went to Google and was like, you know, climbing terms and went to everything from, you know, everything I could find on the internet, went through search engine after search engine of, you know, what a, what a rad name would be. And that wasn't really working because I was trying to force it. And I was climbing at vital one day with, um, one of my climbing friends, Taylor. And 
I said, oh, I, I can't do, I, I don't like doing that dyno. I'm just, I'm terrible at dynos. I love those static moves so much more. I'm going to try this problem. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, static. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like that where I, was, I said, you know, his name was also Taylor. And I said, Taylor, what do you think of static? He goes, yeah, sounds cool. And I was like, all right, I'm going to sit on it for a few days. And I sat on it for a few days and kept saying it and it just fit. And static was born. <laughs> it's so funny how that just sort of happens. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to force it and it just, you know, when you force something, it never seems to work. And then it just organically popped out doing what I love, <laughs> climbing. You're, you're so right. You're so right. When I, <laughs> I do the same thing when I'm like, I really tense about something. I'm like, I need to figure this out. And I like do what you do where I'm like on the computer researching and I'm like just roadblock after roadblock. And then I just give up or take a step back and then it like all of a sudden like pops into your head you're just like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah it makes it easy <laughs> yeah definitely so what is your your background in climbing did you grow up climbing um if you count climbing door jams yes <laughs> <laughs> there weren't too many climbing gyms i'll be 27 in 2 days so i'm a little bit we're you know in the generation of there wasn't a climbing gym down every corner um I was very involved with soccer my whole life up through junior college. So I actually, my parents never saw climbing as an outlet for me, but I was always climbing up all of our trees all around the neighborhood. I can't tell you how many times I fell out of trees. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, I have this vivid memory of when I was like 10, I was climbing the door jam in my kitchen and my mom was cooking and we had tile ground and I was at the top <laughs> and I smacked, I, slipped and just smacked my face on the tile straight onto Ooh. it and gave myself double black eyes. Nice. <laughs> but um, I've, def- I've been climbing my whole life, but in regards to climbing problems and, and routes, uh, around 2000, uh, the, I was living up in Mammoth snowboarding and it was a bad snow year, the 11, 12 season. Oh yeah. And yeah. Um, actually a couple of my ambassadors today, uh, Mallory, Tyler, uh, Tammy and Tucker and I, we were all skiers and snowboarders and we're like, you know, we hear Bishop's really epic. We should go down there. And so the snow would melt by noon and we'd go down to Bishop and we'd start bouldering and that all of us just fell in love with it. And pretty soon none of us were skiing or snowboarding. We were just climbing all day. And as you can see, Tyler and Tyler and Mallory and Tammy and Tucker are all phenomenal climbers now. Um, it's it's absolutely amazing to see how much they've progressed and and now climbing is all of their entire lives and it's pretty rad. It just started with that one bad snow year, um, but right after right after we really started getting into it, uh, I had broken my back. I'd broken my back in March of 2012 at a snowboard competition at nationals for college. And, uh, that put me back a bit (laughs) and then, um, went and lived in Australia as soon as I was better and did went snowboarding. I wish I would have climbed a bit more than I would love to go back to Australia and go, go check out all of the, all the amazing rock out there. But, uh, after I got better from that, uh, October knocked my front teeth out skateboarding and that's oh, back a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then 
um, I was getting really back into climbing again. I had blown out my knee a few times uh, prior and gone to the ER and they said, you know, if you blow out your knee again, we're going to have to do surgery early. And sure enough, I was climbing in the happies in uh, March of 2013 and planned fall. And I went down and for some reason, my meniscus just gave out and my ACL was completely shredded at that point. So I got knee surgery almost a year to the day of my broken back. Oh my God. <laughs> and was out for nine solid months. So, um, it's really put a, it really put a little bit of a dampener on my climbing. But as soon as I was better, that was all I did because it was such great therapy for my knee. And then it really snowballed into just climbing all the time and just falling in love with the community and everybody around it. Yeah, that recovery time. I, I've had three knee surgeries, so I, I have a, an idea of what it's like to be immobile <laughs> for a long period of time. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it gives you a lot of time to think. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. <laughs> think and Netflix. <laughs> think and Netflix, exactly. And that was that was definitely what started kind of like, what do I want to do in life? And I didn't really come up with the idea until a full year later, but it was right when I started healing I you know about nine months into it I started really healing and started climbing 24 7 and that's definitely what helped me like spark the idea and wanting to just go with it was yeah. all that downtime <laughs> yeah I totally understand that I um I, I want to ask you in this process from when you first started in 2014 and you were stumbling through YouTube to make that first bag what has the process been like to take it from that first iteration to what you have now on Static, which is obviously a very professional and high-quality <laughs> uh, product? Uh, it actually happened so organically and naturally. It Sometimes, I st even talking right now, I have to pinch myself saying, like, I can't believe that that Static has just blossomed the way it has. Um, it started with that first bag. Everything was in the kitchen. Um, we were burning the edges of all of the, all of the ribbon and the webbing and on the stove and I would clean up every <laughs> night and put it back into the closet. Yeah. And then it, you know, I started kind of getting the hang of it and it went from three days per bag to two days per bag to one day per bag. And, and I would go to Joanne's every day. At that point I was getting all my materials just from the local or from Joanne's craft store. And then, um, Duncan is also uh, my boyfriend and he saw how hard I was working and he had known I had called the company static. And so he made me a logo, which is the logo that is on the hang tag today. Um, that single triangle with the static. And he said, you know, I really believe in you. And I, as soon as I saw that, I was like, I have a company. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then it just, I, you know, five hours a day turned into 10 hours a day. And then I would go serve at night, um, at a brewery at the time at a local brewery. And then I would come home and I would just sew all day and all night. I broke three sewing machines in nine months. And <laughs> at that point, you know, Thanksgiving had rolled around and I went from maybe, maybe 10 orders a month, which I was just, that was overwhelming for me right. to 10 orders a day once oh Black Friday hit. Um, <laughs> my Etsy, I just had the Etsy at the time and it 
there were only about two or three other chalk bag companies on Etsy. Now there's, I can't even count maybe 40. There's a lot. And so, you know, when people had just started really getting into climbing and Black Friday, you know, Etsy thrives on Black Friday and it, all of a sudden, you you know, my phone goes cha-ching every time there's a sale. <laughs> it still does because it makes me so happy no matter how many times it dings. I love hearing that yeah. cha-ching because that, you know, that's each cha-ching is every person actually supporting my company. So I'll never turn that off. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally get that. Um, so, yeah, after hearing it go cha-ching, cha-ching, it was like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. So I expanded into the living room and then took over our room. And then I had all of my roommates during Christmas when it started getting to, you know, 15 and 20 orders a day. The first year I started, I was at that point, if I made eight bags in a day, I was just, I was so ecstatic. So yeah, yeah. I just, you know, my, my boyfriend, I'd broken my third machine and he said, you know what? The, to this day, it's the only investment I've actually ever gotten. He goes, let's go. I'm going to invest in your company. I'm going to buy you your first industrial machine. We're going to go to the store right now, and we're going to get one. <laughs> so awesome. he bought me my first machine, which now I have two of. And uh, it was it helped production so much. And I had my first employee hired in December of 2014. Her name was Kate. She's amazing. Um She's actually uh, in Utah now, but she knew more than me about sewing. So she was teaching me things. <laughs> yeah. And we got through Christmas together thanks to all my roommates, you know, Duncan and Kate. And then we realized that, you know, static actually was gaining traction. And from there on out, we decided that our house was too small for the company. So we moved into a new house with an extra room. Uh, Static had that room and then Static outgrew that room. So we moved into the bigger room of the house. And then by March of 2016, it was full-blown company. And I was getting more orders than I knew what to do with. And running a company at home can be challenging. Um, you're thinking about laundry while you're sewing. And then while you're sewing, you're thinking about the dishes and, you know, taking <laughs> a walk and so uh we decided to look for other places and i happened to drop um, a set of chalk bags off at the wall climbing gym in vista one of my friends uh two of my friends owned it and he said you know we have an extra room in in upstairs you can rent it out and i said well and he goes you can have the you know where we store the holds you can have that for warehouse space and i was like perfect let's do this and since then, we've been in there for over a year now, and the company has just thrived uh, ever since we moved into there, and we were able to create an actual workspace and hire more people. And um, at that time, I brought on my second employee, Elise, and she was an, she was an actual seamstress, and she knew more about sewing than probably I even know today. I mean, she's amazing. Yeah. Um, and between her and Kate, like, you know, Elise was the one that would be like, well, you know, this stitch is like this zigzag stitch is amazing, but it's slower. Why don't you do this kind of, you know, straight stitch? And it was something that was so simple to a seamstress, but for me, I was still learning. And so she just helped me really like speed up the process and kind of helped me get it to where static is today on a sewing level. Um, she taught me 
she she was a huge influence on helping me uh, finish designing the bucket, which took a year and a half to design. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I will always be thankful for all the amazing she taught me as I was, you know, telling her how to sew a product. It was pretty. It was a really special experience, um, and that's why I hold my employee or like you know everyone that works with me to such a high degree because you know, no one's better than anyone else. It's like, I always have something I can learn from anyone. And that's what's really helped static grow is just being open to, to ideas. I think that's such a smart way to, to operate. So when you first started to where you are now, you, well, how many bags a day are you guys doing now? We have production days, so it's not every single day that we, you know, whip out as many as we do, but right. um, on production days, we can very easily whip out uh between two of us 70 chalk bags what uh, we have it down to a science uh the chalk bag now that was impressive <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i mean you know at the end of the day it's it's definitely like whoo yeah. okay <laughs> but uh, i um i justin's really great so he'll do the first half and i'll do the second half and um, you know, the buckets take a lot longer. They take, we can probably, you know, maybe, maybe five to eight in a day. They're still quite intensive to make. Whereas, uh, the chalk bags are one of the only products with the small hang tag label. And we're almost done with our second set of 4,000. So oh, wow. we've done around I, th I mean it's kind of the only way I can tell but it's about about 8,000 chalk bags in the last you know since 2014 it's so three years it's it's insane Damn. I, I think about it that way so and I've sewn I'd say aside from maybe maybe just a few of them I've finished or started the chalk bag you know on all of those 8,000 so <laughs> that is a nice little pat on the back I was I was thinking the other day and this is nowhere near as impressive but since I started Ready Yeti I was like I've sent 12,000 emails oh, <laughs> you know what I mean but like making that many chalk bags that's so impressive <laughs> <laughs> yeah I I um I'm a workaholic a bit but I've I've just now, you know, started to figure out how to have the balance because even having too much of a good thing, you know, working so much to something I'm so proud of can still burn you out and make you lose sight. Um, so, you know, talking to other entrepreneurs and understanding that I can get the same amount of work done in 40 hours as a hundred hours, which is true. And I totally didn't think that was possible, but it, it's true. You know, you're more refreshed. And I started a climbing company so I could climb more. And for the past couple of years, <laughs> that's taken a back seat. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that and appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of ironic, but, you know, I know it's for a bigger picture and I'm trying to change the chalk bag world one chalk bag at a time. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so you, when you started, obviously you're doing this part-time, you were serving. In 2016, you went full-time and now there's four of you with Static. I wanted to ask if you had any mentors along this journey that have helped get you to where Static is now. Um, yeah, I mean, so 
everybody, everybody around me. I try to take every conversation I have and everyone that I talk to and I try to take a piece of that and put it into my company, whether it's, you know, a web designer saying, oh, is your website running correctly? Or just a friend saying, oh, you know, I really love um, that if the chalk bag had a zipper and then, oh, okay, I'll add a zipper to chalk bags. And, you know, it'd be really cool if I could put my chalk bag and shoes in a tiny bag. So I wouldn't, it wouldn't get all over the car or smell as much. And so the mini duffel came to, you know, an idea. Um, it's, it's kind of taking every surrounding and every climbing experience and every traveling experience to, pick little pieces of it and have everyone around you kind of mentor you and just always be observing and growing. But my grandpa, um, has owned, a uh, big, it's economy rentals. It's like, um, big rigs and trucks and, and machinery. And he, my grandpa has been working for, I think 60 years and he built that with my grand with my great grandpa from the ground up. So he was quite inspiring, seeing how hard he's worked. And now most of my family actually works with him. Um, a lot of my family owns their own companies, and it, my my parents never allowed me to have video games growing up. And I love video games, but it was so <laughs> cool because you know I'd want to go on the computer or or you know Nintendo, and they'd be like, "Go outside, kick a ball, go climb a tree, go do something." So. Um, my neighbor and I, Kelsey, and <laughs> we are the same age, we would start businesses every summer. And, you know, I remember one was like TK's sparkle and shine car wash. And we would do babysitting and window cleaning. And, you know, we'd, we'd go around to each of the neighbors and we'd, you know, hand out flyers and we would work all summer long to, I don't even know what we spent our money on, probably just the flyers and stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. But it, it really helped me learn dedication and and what it takes to really make something grow and turn into something amazing um but my boyfriend might be one of my biggest inspirations ever um he is a uh, graphic designer and he has worked so hard over the last 15 years as a graphic designer that he now you know works three maybe four days a week and he gets to do exactly what he loves and you know, makes, makes a good income. And, and he's one of the happier, more influential people I've ever met that, you know, he's living the dream. And now I am of just being able to do what you love and make that your lifestyle instead of having a job. And that's inspiring. <laughs> oh, I couldn't agree more. Having people like that in your life is such a, gives you such a great leg up. Um, yeah. all of those that like have that deep feeling of like, I kind of want to do something different, but they don't have someone to watch and see. And you're like, Oh, I should, that, that, they've got it figured out. <laughs> I want to do what they're right. doing. <laughs> right. And you know, one of my, like my best friends are just, they're incredible people. You know, Kaylin works at Volcom and that girl loves her job so much and she's so passionate and she has a technical nine to five, but you never know it. It's, it's her lifestyle. And, you know, my roommate and one of my other best friends, Kate, she works at sticky bumps, which is like a surf wax company. And, you know, she dives her whole life into, you know, surf culture and just loving her job. And so even my friends that have, you know, the normal nine to five, they've, made it a lifestyle choice and submerged themselves into creating 
something special, even from a regular, you know, regular job. It's everyone's inspiring. It's, it's amazing. (laughs) It's so important to have people like that in your life. I, um, I wanted to ask you, and we've touched on this a little bit with talking about the actual making of your bags, but what is your commitment to sustainability in, uh, building static and then progressing it into the future? Sustainability wise, my goal, and it's funny because most people that I talk to pretty much, I can guarantee one of their statements will be, why don't you go on Shark Tank? (laughs) And and I love it because it's flattering to hear. Um, But my response is always, you know, my, my, my layout and my mission isn't what they want. I don't want to outsource. I want to keep it local. I want to pay higher than minimum wage. You know, my, my seamstresses, I call Justin my seamster because he's a male seamstress. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, I, I pay my seamstresses, they're paid per piece. So I really like to gauge, you know, work hard, make more. And, uh, they make between, 18 and $25 an hour, depending on, you know, what we need to do that day. And even the prep work, um, Kyle makes 12 to $15 an hour. I, I expect, you know, hard work when you're there, you know, I don't want cell phones out. And I, I want to try to try to say, Hey, you know, you give me five to eight hours and I'll pay you, you know, time and a half or double what you'd normally make, but I need time and a half or double the effort. But then they're stoked because, you know, they can work less and do more of what they love. And that's what I want. I don't want their lives to be work. I want them to be able to do what they love. So if I can get, you know, hard work when they're there, I think it's helped the company really grow as well because then they're dedicated while they're there. They're not checked out and I can reward them with that. I think that's such a great philosophy and so many people sort of miss that I guess in life it's like trading time for money and I feel like you should be trading value for money and so many people sort of I guess don't look at it that way or just don't even think about looking at at it that way because like you said you want to spend your life doing the things that make you happy and obviously when you're working you want to make sure that whatever it is that you're doing you're passionate about you care about it and you feel like you're adding value to the world, right? But at the same time, you also don't want to spend your life working because you'll right. life will just pass you by <laughs> if you do. Yeah, that. Like, yeah. <laughs> like someone's dying. Where I don't know where I heard this, but it's like no one ever says, "I wish I worked more" on their deathbed. <laughs> no, not at all. And you know, I lost one of my childhood best friends to cancer right when I started the company in 2014, and she was gone. You know, within a few days, and it really shook me up and started to make me realize that life is so short and I love riding motorcycles. That's aside from climb the climbing world. I'm just as equally involved in the motorcycle world. Um, and I almost, you know, I laid my bike down on the freeway in November and thank goodness I was wearing all of my gear minus my gloves. So trying to sew with burned hands was interesting, (laughs) but it very easily, you know, I stood up right in front of a car. It very easily could have been done. And it sh- really made me rethink the 100-hour work week. And I restructured the company so that I was able to work 40, maybe 60 hours a week and <laughs> and get the same amount of work done and also like find my passion again. And that's when the mini duffel bag started getting designed again. And you know I was able to finish designing that last month and we're going to launch that in the next week or two. So 
it's pretty important to, to make sure my employees are all, you know, happy as well. And as for fabrics and materials, um, I go to a lot of local stores, um, around the area, uh, like all of the Mexi blankets, they're, they're made in Mexico, but they're bought by a local, um, they're actually, so I've still been trying to figure out if this is a hundred percent true, but the guy I get them from says that they're made out of recycled Coke cans. I've yet to find out if it's true or false, but I was, I went with it, (laughs) Um, you know, and he's a, he's a local It's a single shop in Oceanside that I get the blankets from him. And I pay a little bit more than, you know, just going down myself and getting them. Um, But I think it's really important to support local companies down here. So um, I buy my blankets for a little bit more from, from his store and all of our artist series um, and a few of our classics. We're trying to start printing more and more on our own fabric. We source from a woman online. She's in New Jersey and oh, she screen prints. <laughs> What's that? Where in New Jersey? I'm originally from New Jersey, which is why I ask. <laughs> you know what? I'm not sure. I would have to go and look. Um, I just know that she, on our Oliver receipt, uh, all of her thank you notes, it says New Jersey. Nice. <laughs> I'll have to to that and let you know. Representing. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, she, she screen prints everything, you know, in-house and then ships it out to me. And so I get to support another local, I mean, local United States company, um, kind of made in America. I guess not so much local San Diego at that point, but. Yeah, local for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, local for you. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say has been one of the hardest parts about starting static? Um, learning how to balance a life and making static my life, you know, finding that balance. I can definitely folk focus on static too much sometimes and run myself too thin. Uh, the hardest part about a company is to give up control uh, it seems like it would be, you just want to give everyone everything else to do, but it's the exact opposite. Yeah. I know <laughs> that <know>? feeling. <laughs> yeah. You could definitely relate, you know, it's, it's your baby. And I'm, I'm so proud of everything that it has grown to. I, it is very, it, it's like probably, I don't have children myself, but it's like watching a child go to college, you know, you're stoked for them, but you don't really want them to go, but you do. <laughs> <laughs> as my mom said <laughs> that's funny uh, so just you know learning that trusting that the people that you've chosen to help you make these products are going to uphold the same standards that you do and I am so fortunate that every single person I've ever hired has proven to to do that and go above and beyond even what I could do and make me so proud of everything that they've accomplished and but, but yeah, it's still, you know, you always want to, you, you always want to be like, oh, I'll just do it. And then you realize like, that's not possible as you grow bigger and bigger. You just can't do everything. And then the company isn't able to thrive into what it's supposed to be. Yeah, I totally understand that. I'm starting to hit that point myself. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. <laughs> it really does. Thing. It is. It is definitely a good thing. I, I wanted to ask you what your greatest fear is in regards to static climbing and how do you manage it? My greatest fear is that, 
my, my greatest fear is probably like the strongest drive is I never want to lose touch with the individual customer. I always want, you know, one thing I really want to hold true on is that we're handmade and we're handmade, you know, wherever we're based out of, um, and that everything is still very intimate with the cutting process and the sewing process. And that if anyone has any issues, they can contact me and I will respond. I don't really like the whole, you know, automated email response. I think, you know, having a general basis of what you want to say is great, but I think you should always add some personal touch in there of just letting the person know they're not talking to a robot. Oh, I, and, I agree completely. Yeah. My biggest fear is that someone will say, Oh, you know, static is just robotic no one cares because that will never happen as long as i run the company <laughs> yeah i you know i do the same thing and for anyone who listens that has emailed us it's always it's either me or one of my partners like always getting back to them and it's funny like we, so yeah. we, we run these giveaways obviously and it's like one of the ways in which we um add extra entries is people can reply to the welcome email and tell us a little bit about themselves and how they'd use the product and where they'd use it. And I always reply to them. Like I'll, I always block off a few hours, like on a Tuesday and Thursday night from like 11 to like 1230. And I just try and reply to all of them and people will respond being like, Oh, totally surprised you replied. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Which is crazy to me. Cause I'm like, people just assume that like no one gives a shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. when you start a business and I'm like, no, I like actually care. <laughs> like, <laughs> Why right? is this not the the standard? <laughs> yeah, and and I think smaller companies like us are getting the picture and we are changing. So it's not a lost cause. I just I think it was a wake up call for all of us younger entrepreneurs to be like this is important and we're not getting it from big companies. So yeah. let's let's focus on it and make every email, you know, at least, you know, just be like, Hey, you're talking to someone, Exactly. you know, every, every ambassador email that I get, whether it's through, you know, from your guys's site or, uh, directly from our website, like I get so excited to read their story and see what they're about. And like, you know, who's, who's out there looking at, looking at my product. And, you know, I recently spoke to someone who emailed us through ready Yeti. Um, and, uh, she was a geologist and talked about rock hounding and crystal hunting, which is something that Duncan and I like to do when we're not climbing or, um, or riding motorcycles or, uh, Running your business or doing a tail. Running my business, or, you know, on the on all those hours that we have off. Yeah, um, exactly. Kind of <laughs> wind down and decompress. You know, he loves uh, Duncan. Really loves gold mining as a hobby, and when there's gold, it runs through a quartz vein, which is crystals. And I love crystal. You know, crystals. I think they're so magical. Um, and she actually, you know, threw out the invite and said, you know, I said, hey, you know, that's amazing. You're a geologist and. Uh, we love rock, rock hounding ourselves. And she said, you know, if you're ever in Tennessee, hit me up. I know all the great spots. So, you know, you created kind of a friendship just from a, you know, a reach out email that I would have missed if I had automated emails going back. Oh, yeah. And it makes me happy that I know that I, that Ready Yeti is responsible for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so cool. Some of the emails I get from you guys uh, for, that you forward to me about ambassador inquiries, they're some of the most fascinating climbers and I've ever I've ever read about it's it's really cool so keep them coming <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll keep trying <laughs> what would you say have been some of the biggest mistakes that you've made with uh with static climbing um working too much and spreading myself too thin um and I would love to 
um, I would love to be able to have Justin and hire someone new as well so they can help Justin um, sew. So I don't, you know, I still make every single bucket that's out there. I have handmade myself. Nobody makes the buckets yet. So as the company is growing, I'm learning that I really need to refocus my time on R&D and creating new products. So I really think um, it'd be wise for me to step back from the sewing, the products we already have and trust my team to make them um, and give them more opportunity to make the buckets. And uh, because I'm not a normal seamstress, I, I don't pin, um, we just, it's measure once cut five times, but those five times have to be like you measured it five times. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so my team has to be extremely skilled to, you know, work with me and they all are, but, um, I would really like to start focusing more on creating new products. And I think I've, I've made the mistake of trying to hold on to every, uh, every job title myself a bit too long. And it's finally time to let the company grow and let other people, you know, become more involved, which I'm excited to start doing. Of course. What, what advice would you give to someone that wanted to start a business in the outdoor world or just a business in general? Um, something I wish someone would have told me the first year I started the company was relax and enjoy the ride <laughs> <laughs> because even to this day, I'm, I still, now that I am aware of it, I can say, okay, relax, you know, problems are going to come up when you start a company. It's not, it's not, if it's when they're always going to come up, you know, you right. gotta, you know, have a tennis racket and just keep batting them away. <laughs> <laughs> I think a good owner can address the problem uh, and resolve it rather than um, get anxiety about it or, oh my gosh, my company's, you know, going to fail because of X, Y, and Z and this happened and just, you know, starting a company is hard. It's going to take way longer than you thought to do a project. You know, you, you set a deadline and if you miss it, it's okay, you know, um, everyone understands that handmade products don't, you know, they're not factory made. So just enjoy those issues that come up and enjoy, enjoy the little things, you know, uh, this year, every Christmas, it still blows my mind. You know, now we're getting 30 orders during the Christmas month a day instead of, you know, 10 to 15. And every year it throws me off. I'm like, okay, I'm ready for this Christmas. And yeah. I'm not <laughs> yeah, I totally understand that. Yeah. And rather than, you know, the first year I was definitely crying and sewing. So just enjoy it and, and smile as the issues come up because, you know, they're all solvable. Oh yeah. It's, it's amazing how difficult it is to do that simple thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah it's one of the most challenging parts aside from giving up, you know, control is to enjoy it. You know, you're never, the experiences that I look back on that I was struggling with the first year of the company are so silly to me now because I oh, have yeah. the answers and I have those tools now to fix those issues. But they were very real three years ago. Whereas I'm sure the issues I'm dealing with now in three years will seem trivial. So, I wish I would have just smiled and said, okay, 
you know, let's work through it, which I'm getting a lot better at as the years go on. Just the bigger the issues become, you just say, all right, how can we fix it? What can we do? And it's made my overall quality of life better. And it's made the products better because I can have more of a clear head to fix and focus and, and, you know, I always want to keep improving the products, whether it's a tiny stitch that you'll never see, or it's a big change, you know, of course, of course. So we're getting close to the end of the interview. And I, I wanted to ask, um, what's in store for the future with, with, with static climbing? The future. I would love to create backpacks and I want to create an adventure backpack that is handmade. Um, that has a few surprises in store that most backpacks don't have. Um, we are launching the mini duffel, uh, in the next couple of weeks. So the mini duffel is a 13 inch. Um, it's essentially what you'd see is a big duffel bag. It has, you know, the daisy chain on the outside, the zipper pocket on the outside, the side pockets. It has a mesh pocket right when you open the bag to drop your keys and inside zipper. Um, and it's, water repellent um but it's tiny so it's just like a big duffel bag but it's shrunken down to a 13 inch bag and it's made to fit your chalk bag and your climbing shoes um or i personally use it as just a general bag to carry everything in um but that's something that i haven't seen before i'd like to try to create products that nobody's seen or products that everybody's seen with a twist like the chalk bags doing the artist series and getting you know smaller artists recognized and, and out there. Um, so I would, you can definitely expect to see a backpack. I'm not going to put a deadline on it because we all know that takes. <laughs> <laughs> and every time I do deadlines, it seems to always surpass that. So it'll be more of a surprise, but, um, you know, maybe, maybe down the line, once we are a little more established with all the duffel bags and the backpacks, I wouldn't say crash pads are out of the picture. Um, but I'd like to create just handmade goods. So kind of stay in that realm of outdoor goods, maybe expand a bit into the camping world. I also wanted to do a quick little plug that we're going to be giving away one of those mini duffels on Ready Yeti, um, yeah. along with a few other bags, a chalk bag and bucket. Um, so if you are interested, you can head over to readyeddy.com between, um, March March, May, <laughs> May 30th and June, of course, now I'm blanking on the last date, June 13th, you can enter to win. Um, we're going to be pairing them with Bulletproof Denim. And uh, I wanted to follow up with one last question asking you, what's your favorite part about running static climbing? Uh, favorite part? There's so many. <laughs> um, Getting to interact with the climbing world. I still go to all the pop-up shops and, you know, even down to the emails. And having my office be in a climbing gym, it's, you're, you know, I am submerged in the climbing world. And it's such a special community. And I really don't think it's ever going to change like other sports communities may have. It's so core. And you just walk into any, whether it's outdoor climbing, indoor climbing, you know, you could walk up to someone and say, hey, you know, do you want to climb together? Most people are going to say, yeah, yeah, you know, pull up a crash pad. Let's let's climb. And it's this intimate trust that you have with 
you know, the people that you're climbing with and you create those friendships that last forever. And you don't really see bad vibes in the climbing world. And it's really special because I've been a part of a lot of different industries and they're all equally amazing, but there's something that the climbing world has that is just that much extra special uh, because of all of the people involved. And it's this, you know, good vibe community as a whole. And that's ridiculously amazing when you run a climbing company because I'm constantly surrounded by good energy and good people and good vibes. And that makes everything worth it. I totally agree with that. It, I, I first started climbing when I lived in Utah in 2012 and 2013. And like, I'm a skier, like that's sort of, that's my nice. main, my main shtick. <laughs> <laughs> and when I went out there and I started climbing with people, I didn't like, it's, what blew my mind is that you can, like, unlike skiing where like, you sort of separate into ability levels. So like, you most likely are going right. to ski with people who are on or close to the same level as you. With climbing, you can be right next to someone who's a pro or a beginner, and like you'll, you're, the routes you do will be different, but you'll be with each other, right? As opposed to skiing, where you're going to be skiing different terrain, you're not going to be staying with that person, which was something that was really cool and unique to me, um, right? Which really stands out. But Taylor, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. It was it was really a blast getting to know you. And, and static climbing and hearing your, your story. If um, our listeners want to keep tabs on what you're doing, what's the best place for them to do that? Um, our Instagram is kind of our best uh, social media platform. It's static climbing, just regular S-T-A-T-I-C-C-L-I-M-B-I-N-G. And that's our website as well. Um, we have a really rad team of ambassadors that you can check out on our website. Um, we also have our Facebook, which is static climbing as well. And you can always shoot me an email, taylor at staticclimbing.com, and I'll email you back. Um, Awesome. And we'll, we'll link all that stuff up in the show notes. And with that, Taylor, I really appreciate you taking the time. It was a blast. Thanks, Josh. I loved being on here. Hey, Ready Any Podcast listeners, if you enjoyed today's episode, then I would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Eddie Podcast. I'll catch you next week.